disgrace to death summed up a life of a man named Samson. <clears throat> Samson, a judge called by God to lead his people. In that process, he's a leader, empowered, set apart to do what God's called him to do. A very important role in a time here we see in the book of Judges. It wasn't an easy time. They were under oppression by the world, by the, their enemies. The Philistines surround them. We will see it continues to see. But here during this period of time, we will see that he ruled for 20 years. And it wasn't a good 20-year judge rule. Because, not because God didn't equip him, not because he didn't give him the strength beyond our human understanding or the knowledge and understanding. He had everything available to him, plus. But because of his flesh, it brought, made him weak. So here in Judges chapter 16, let's look at verses 1 through 3. We see here his life as we looked at four, chapter 14 and 15. He had a problem with women. He had a problem with lust, lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And we see here now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When the Gazites were told Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gate posts, pulled them up, bar and all put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Well, that gives you a flavor and understanding of what can happen. How and why we see here that Samson was obviously in sin here. Right in the very beginning, we see this, this, the letter continue that there is a clear example of how a man is used of God can also sin and see and sin blatantly. This wasn't a uh-oh moment. This was blatant. Gaza here, as we see in the beginning, went to Gaza. And it was an important town located 40 miles from Samson's hometown of Zorah. He traveled 40 miles. Why did he travel 40 miles to go to, to a place, Gaza? Did he go there just there to see a harlot? This prostitute? Many believe it was one of the temple prostitutes. But why did he go there when where he lived was a, 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 a like a, had everything he could right there in his own hometown. He didn't have to travel 40 miles to find a harlot. His own town wasn't not good. But Samson wanted to be used by God. This man really truly wanted to be used by God. And God set him apart as a Nazarite. But he also yielded unfortunately, to his deceitfulness of sin. 
He kept the external features of his Nazarite. He had the look. He had the vow. He was zealously kept it his whole life. While at the same time, in that mind of that squirrely mind of his, sitting blatantly with a prostitute here. Samson did what we nearly all do when deceived by sin. This is no different. This is can't say, oh, Samson, oh, terror. We're all guilty. He put his life into categories, silos in their lives. I have my home life. I have my church life. I have my work life. All these silos, these categories, and figured some categories are good for God to be involved, cared about God being involved in, wanted God to be involved in that. And then there are some silos, some things, part of some rooms of their house, some categories. God did not, did, God wouldn't care about that. I don't want God involved with that. I, it, 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 it doesn't need to be, have anything about God in that. We can't help it when Satan and his demons tempt us. We can't help that. But when we tempt ourselves, we become our own enemy. We self-destruct. God doesn't tempt us. We know that in James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, Matthew 6, 13. What does that mean? Lead us not into temptation. Well, we're asking that we not tempt ourselves or ourselves into a, such a position that we tempt God. That's what it means. Illicit sexual experience may begin as as sweet as honey, but it ends up as bitter as wormwood. We see that in Proverbs chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. So here he is. He finds a harlot in this town 40 miles away in Gaza. He finds out somehow, some way, he, he, he's planning on getting up at, at midnight to get out of town. The people find out there must have been scurrying around somehow. They, he knew that, or that was his plan all along. We don't know. But all he, we do know is that these people were waiting until daylight to see him to do it. But he sat there with all the strength that God had given him, miraculous strength. He not only took not just one little door off the hinge. <laughs> he took the two massive thick doors that were to keep the enemy from being able to break down. These were massive with the doorposts and the bar going across. Everything is locked down like I can't get out. And he says, are you kidding me? I get, you don't think I can't get out of here? He pulls the whole thing up, puts it up on his shoulders and walks up to the nearest hill, which is probably about 4.5 miles away on the nearest hill, looking out toward Hebron. And he sets it right there and says, now, whoever has the gates is in control. That's really what it's saying. You think you're in control, you're not in control. So despite his sin, think about that. Despite his sin, he just slept with a harlot. God still gave Samson supernatural strength to escape from the Philistines and to take their gates and make a statement and march them away onto a hill. God did this because God's purpose was bigger than Samson himself and what he did. God still had a plan to use Samson. 
And because God used Samson despite Samson's sin, not because of it. And he does it today. God does use people despite their sin. Not because of it, but God has a purpose and a plan through it. Now we see in verse 4 and 5, he says, Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman. Another woman comes in play here. This woman is in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means he, we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. That wasn't a light bribe at all. That was a heavy bribe. How did they even know he was there? Everyone knew Samson. You couldn't, he couldn't move around, I guarantee you, without people knowing who Samson is. So what do they do? They go to Delilah. She, Delilah, is part of this whole groups of the Philistines. No question, she's part of the family there. And the lords, each of the leaders of the five cities, I believe, because there was five cities of the Philistines, Ones that had charge of all the money said, you got to figure this out. Figure out where he gets his strength from. They didn't obviously believe God could give a man that much strength. So where is it lying in? We know you can entice him to get the answer. But it says here that Samson fell in love with this woman. This wasn't a one-night stand, it appears. Obviously, it won't, because we find out four times they get together. But Samson fell in love again and fell for a woman completely wrong for him. He wasn't supposed to be even, even near this woman, let alone fall in love and, and build any relationship with this woman. And there's another example of pain and ruin that came into Samson's life because he did not guard his heart. That's it. He didn't guard his heart. We're warned throughout the scripture, guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart. If you don't guard it, you get hooked. And so we find here he slowly, in disgrace after disgrace, it's, it's leading to destruction. Because he didn't guard his heart. Because somewhere in his, in his little squirrely mind thinks he's prideful and because of his strength of his body, somehow, and that God has not stopped him from having his strength and he still has a representative of God. And because of the position that he has in, of God of being a judge, somehow he thought he was invincible. But they came to Delilah. 1,100 shekels. That's about 140 pounds of silver. Would you like it to figure out this, the secret to his strength? Absolutely she wanted it. He fell in love with her and she fell in love with the money because of him. Verse 6. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies. Is this what we call pillow talk? 
and with what you may be bound to afflict you. Now you're falling in love with a woman, and the first one of the first things you're having pillow talk with is how can how can how what keeps you from you know how can we afflict you? <laughs> I assure you, it's a bad relationship right up front. And so what does Samson do? He must have been a jokester. He must have been. He had. He just got. He got the strength. He he got. He, He's got the position, he got the power, whatever it is. He thinks he can just play along with the game. Oh, wait, this is fun. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dry, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. <laughs> Can you picture this going on? Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. In the closet? Where, where, where they were hiding out in this place. She had a big enough place for these the, the, At least a few of the lords were in there, some men there. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings at a, as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Now think about this. It, obviously, Samson's strength was not obvious. They didn't know why. This means he probably was not a large, tall, heavy, muscular man who... It was a modern-day bodybuilder who said, you look from a distance, that's Samson. Look at the look, man. The V is there. Look at the size of the biceps. That man is a beast. No. He probably was this little dweeby little guy. Like, this is a, like how can he have this strength? Because you don't look like he has strength. He may have looked as small and skinny and weak as unlikely as anything else to say, this, how does this man have that kind of strength? There's no possible way. But Delilah knew that Samson was strong. Yet she also knew he could be bound with something. She knows. None of them knew that he could not be bound. Why would they even think that what he was telling would, would be true? But she wanted that money bad, so she would try it. Was that what you, you just told me? And, you, and, you, and you, you, he was playing with her. Playing with fire. The fact that he did not tell her the truth proved that he knew she had a dangerous intention. She had something about her that there was something he knew. He wasn't going to have the, just share his heart on the, on the secrets of his life. But he was still blinded, though. The sinful nature, his lust, still blinds him. Sin will always passion. That sinful passion has always will grip him, has always gripped him, and can also grip you. Sin can not only grip you, can anesthetically, it's like anesthesia. It's almost like you're numb to the things that are going on, and he was unable to act rationally in his thinking. He knew something enough there, but he was still kind of playing the game, thinking he was going to be just fine. Because why? I have strength. 
It appears the Philistines stayed hidden and did not come out, realizing Samson broke out. So you can picture them somehow quietly sitting in her room. How big that place? I don't know. He got, oh, I just told you about bowstrings. They're not quite. How did you go out and get those? I, I just left. I come back again to spend some time with you, and you have these bowstrings? Like, oh, you're going to tie me up this time? I mean, is this a game? And I believe what happened is, is when he, she said, the Philistines are upon you. And he goes, really? Break? The Philistines never came out. They stayed hidden. Because he just immediately broke. I bet you it was a nice little laughter, a little game he was playing with. Because you could see the reaction. Then Delilah, in verse 10, said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. And Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Again, what? <laughs> His capabilities? And you're telling me you think that you believe that? Verse 12, therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. Again, a second try. You would think, okay, this game is still kind of fun. I think it's going to be fun. Let's try to tie me up this time. That's always the way sin is. You think you can overcome it. You can battle it and keep it away. You always think you're in control. And God, the enemy can use anybody to, to try to come at you one time. And you think it's kind of fun and gaming and you're kind of playing on the fringes. But one of the lessons we learned from Samson is when you keep doing that over not once, twice, three times, we'll see it four times, you will you basically start drawing closer to closer to eventually you are going to give in. Now he's sinning. He still has got strength. Second time we see, again, strength, boom, he's out. He's got a history of, of uh, sleeping around. God's still giving him his strength, still in Nazareth, he still has long hair, he still has got everything he's, we saw in the previous chapters. Eating honey, putting his hands into dead bodies, breaking every single vow except cutting his hair. Now we're in chapter 16 and we see that he's playing around and he's talking about ropes, he's talking about bowstrings and, 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 and she's sitting there, you're telling lies and I can't believe you're not telling me and do you need to tell me this? You would think the romantic attack, a romantic um, appeal to her, the love that he had, you would think it would kind of start questioning it. No, his lust blinds him. Even though there's signs flaring everywhere. Danger, danger, danger. No, blinded to his lust. So Samson continued this relationship with Delilah for entertainment? I don't know. Gives her another little fun little secret and see how she does to it. And all of a sudden, she, oh, she got new robes. Oh, we're going to try this again. 
Samson <laughs> is a great example of how an ungodly relationship can warp your thinking. An ungodly relationship can warp your thinking. You will lose, like, what were you thinking, man? Where were you, where were you going with this? It's clear to everybody. Why isn't it clear to you? Oh, how many conversations I've had with many. But Samson allowed this bondage once again. Did he, did he lull him to, to sleep and then tied him up? Yes. And, and then startles him. Here comes the Philistines. <laughs> and what? No. Not going to hold me down. But you would think it would cause this, 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 when there's this sin that is present, there's this compromise that's happening, this bondage seems to be gripping you, and you refuse to escape the situation. You would think you would escape after the first time. I'm not coming back here again. No, flesh draws you right back to it. I'm not coming back after the second time. You, what's going on, woman? No. What happens? Verse 13, Delilah says to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. Oh, Samson, you're getting closer to reality truth. You're talking about hair. Not good. So she wo wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, the Philistines are about, again, he's, he's, he's sleeping, and he has the, he's a deep sleeper. I mean, he's, he's knocked out. I mean, he's worn out. She got him really worn out and sits there and, I mean, it says, tightly when your hair is in those locks that he had and he's she's tying him into the and he didn't wake up until she said to him the philistines are upon you samson but he woke with his sleep from his sleep and pulled out the baton and the web from the loom then she said to him how can you say i love you when your heart is not with me you have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. Notice the guys are not hiding out this third time. Call us, call us when you figure it out. See, I, Delilah obviously cared nothing for Samson. There was, and, and his continued commitment to her, because he keeps showing up and allowing her to play these things, it's a remarkable testimony of the power of the blindness and irresponsible love that Samson had. And she didn't care because she was looking to take advantage of the man. And then he, she plays out the I, you told me you love me card. Where's your heart? Why aren't you sharing your heart? Why aren't you being truthful to me? Why aren't you telling me everything? You know the tears were crying. You know the tears were flowing. Tragically, Samson's heart was with Delilah. 
Her accusation was a manipulative projection of her own heart upon Samson, which was not with him. She was just projecting what she, I'm not with for you, man. I'm just looking at a benefit from you. I got 1,100 shekels times five. I'm talking a lot of money, a lot of money coming here. Set me up for life. I don't care about you. I know they're going to kill you, take you out, do something to you. I don't care. I'm just looking for the money. I thought you loved me. You told me you loved me. What happens? Eventually, something's going to happen. And it happens here, verse 16. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Well, guess what? That's exactly what happens, doesn't it? It's ironic, isn't it? That you're pestering, drip, 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 press, 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 threaten, threaten, threaten. You can't. I'm never going to sleep with you again. And you know this. And, and you don't give me what I want. You can hear it all. Vexed, vexed. Till his, he, he couldn't, his soul, his emotion. You know, he thinks it's because of her. And really, it's all of everything. His sin is having a field day in his life along with her. And that he told her all his heart. He couldn't take it anymore. I'm, you're, you're killing me, woman. I can't. Can we stop? Okay, I'm finally. I'm done. Okay, I'll tell you. I can't take it anymore. And he told her all his heart. And said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head. For I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength would leave me, will leave me. And I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart. Saw. He must have, I, I see that and I read that, I think he was just weeping and crying and just pouring out his heart, telling her all the deep secret here of how, it, what his life, and, and she saw and said, that is truly from the heart. She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her, brought the money in their hand, then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then he, she began to torment him. And his strength left him. See, earlier Samson gave in to the nagging once before. Do you remember in Judges chapter 14, uh, 15 through 18 with the Philistine wife. She nagged and he gave in. Now he's yielding to the nagging of Delilah. That man couldn't handle a nagging woman. And she certainly sinned by using such terrible manipulation to get her way so she can get money. Or get her way. But Samson also sinned by yielding to that manipulation. 
Pastor, you don't understand. She just kept manipulating or pressing and pressing and, and pushing and prodding and pushing my buttons and, and blah, 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 blah. And I just couldn't take it any longer. That's why you needed to turn to the Lord. That's why you needed to turn to the Lord for strength. Draw your strength and cast your burdens onto me. And I will give you the strength. Give her over to me. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities in the darkness of this world. We see that her previous complaint was that Samson's love for her was empty. You say you love me, but you really don't love me because you're not telling me what I want you to tell me. But Delilah had no love for him. And she expected Samson to destroy himself and his service for God to prove his love for her. That's what she's saying. Destroy your relationship with God. Destroy your relationship, you, you personally as a man and everything it represents, because you need to prove you love me. That's what she said. Why? Because it was all about the money for her. But it's unfortunately and it's ironically that the disgrace led to death at the end result of her pestering him. How do we see that? We continue here. Because he did give in to it. You see, the strongest man in the world, physically, but the weakest under the power of an ungodly relationship. Perhaps Samson figured because that he was strong in one area of his life, that somehow that that was going to carry him through where the other parts of his life that is weak. He was desperately wrong. Because now he's a shaved man. But you have to understand something. His, when it says, the scripture says, his strength left him. There was nothing magical with Samson's hair. He might also say that Samson began breaking his Nazarite vow before this. He was going through the things about what it stands to separate him as a Nazarite. We see that. And we see, come down. The only thing in 14 and 15 that did not, he did not break was one. Cutting of his hair. And when that happened. When that came, finally came to a point where Samson finally had to be reckoned with his rejection of God's mercy and his God's calling, and he walked away from that, his power left because the Holy Spirit that was upon him left. The hair had nothing magical. It just represented a consecration of his life separated for God. And when he finally said that, I don't care about that consecration, about being separated for God and doing a life for God, God said, okay, I'm lifting my Holy Spirit off of you. You will no longer have my strength. The power didn't come from his hair. 
But the hair was a sign of his Nazarite vow and his consecration. And when he gave that up, the spirit who had come upon him with such power now had departed from him. And he didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. So what happened? Verse 20. And she said, Delilah said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. Oh, really? But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. The one who empowers you to do what God's called you to do is no longer empowering you. No longer leading. No longer giving you the victory. No longer guiding your life. Because you've left to him first. Samson didn't know things were different. He lived in this compromise so long that he would... He didn't even know the fact that he was just slipping away and just losing and losing and losing and coming to a point where he would lose it completely. It's, 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 his life is one of those tragic examples or stories of someone who had such potential. Such potential that became an example of such wasted potential and rejection of God's warnings. Samson thought he could just get away with it. I'll just continue to live my life like it's no big deal. I can just do what I've always done. Even with sin in your life. No, seems to be no consequence with this, this sin he's living in. But he misinterpreted God's mercy. His merciful delay of God's judgment and correction on his life as a sign that God didn't really care. It was okay with God that he continued to live in sin. He presumed God's mercy would continue and his life of sin makes it far worse. Because he relied upon his strength and not upon that personal relationship with God. He worked against that relationship with God. To the point where God finally departed from him. In that sense, he no longer blessed Samson with supernatural strength and he was on his own. What happened? Verse 21, then the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and became a grinder in the prison. However, verse 22, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. They weren't taking any risk. Poke his eyes out so they don't, he never sees anything ever again. So he won't become a threat. 
And then I treat them as a slave and just bind them in these bronze fetters, these, these shackles. He's now a slave. And he's down there with, that's what normal women do, grinding the, the, you know, instead of an animal, he's the one grinding the, the meals and the, the grains and whatever else is going on as a grinder. And that was absolute laborious. And obviously there's some time going on. How much time? All of a sudden his hair starts growing back. We see in verse 22. However. What a reminder as he went around and around and around as a grinder. How fitting. Because Samson was already blinded because of his sin. Now he's literally blinded. He was already in bondage because of his sin. Now he's imprisoned. He was attracted to ungodly relations through, through his eyes. Failure. Failure to restrain the attraction to women brought him into bondage. If he would have just humbled himself in obedience to God. He would have had freedom, continued freedom, continued God giving him supernatural strength to judge and to help his na the nation of Israel. And now he is. He wanted all the freedom he wanted to go to this woman, to that woman, and finally this woman. He had all the freedom he thought, but no, that freedom actually led him into bondage. Sin has its wages. And now it was payday for Sam Samson. And now he's in bondage and blind and grinding. See, in the beginning, what most people understand is what, when you see the things happen on the outside, what happened is it already took place on the inside of Samson. He just didn't see it. Inwardly, he was already in bondage. Inwardly, he was already blind. Inwardly, he was already in slavery. Now it's just being manifested in reality and you're seeing on the outside. But the hair of the head began to grow back. So God gave Samson hope in the midst of a dungeon experience. A very dark experience. A dark valley. God gives him hope. His hair started began to return, and we can suppose in his heart he also began to return to the Lord during that period of a dark period of time in his life. He started crying out to God. He started talking to God. He started realizing what he had done. And I read this, I say, if I was the Philistines, why would I allow his hair to ever grow back? I'd be daily shaving that man every day at the grinding. But because his eyes poked out, we got him in chains, he's grinding, his hair's shut. They weren't thinking, which was a good thing. Because wicked men are not in, usually the most wisest of men. They're very foolish. So what happens? Verse 23, now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their their God and to rejoice and they said 
Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our death. So what happened? Verse 25. When their hearts were merry, they must have been a drunk fest. <laughs> they were having a grand old cheers. Look at this. We were all one here. Let's rejoice. That they said, call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. Interesting. Here's a godly representative, Samson, taken down by the enemy. And when that happens to someone's life, the enemy gets to praise and rejoice that they overcame the God of Israel. When you are kicked into sin and you are brought down by your sin, the enemy will rejoice saying that your God is not a very good God. You, there's a rippling effect that happens with everyone around. That's why when God is using someone powerfully in the ministry, pray, 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 pray for them because the enemy wants to take them out because if he takes them out, he'll take out many people with him because people will lose faith in God. And God, the enemy will use anything to keep people from going to God or find, only find reasons to pull them away. How many people have we met, maybe it's part of your story, that I went to church, and then the church really bad, and there's someone in the church, and all this, this, and I, don't, I haven't been walking with God ever since. I haven't stood, set foot in a church for 30 years, 20 years, whatever it is. There was a Samson moment somewhere in that, in that deal. And the enemy used it to cause you to Turn on God versus realizing that is a sinful person or a sinful organization or sinful that. And it was they weren't following God. Or maybe you're shifting blame and sh telling everyone else it's their fault when it's really your sin that's really caused the problem. But Samson pursued this ungodly relationship. And he justified it in his mind. There's no question. He justified it to himself by thinking that the only harm was done to himself. There's not going to hurt anybody else. No one else needs to know. It's just me and that woman. It's me. That, that, it, it, all the rationalization. Yet we see his disobedience led to giving up glory to the false gods. It never, it never affects just you. It affects everyone around you. Samson became the trophy for worshipers of false gods. It's clear. They thought their god Dagon was absolutely more powerful and one you should follow and not any other god. I mean, that's really the greatest tragedy, isn't it not? The greatest tragedies of sin is that it gives the enemies of God a reason to rejoice. What happened in 20, verse 26? Then Samson said to the lad, a little lad here, who held him by the hand, 
He didn't have the armed guards. He didn't have the legion. <laughs> he didn't have an entire squad. A kid led this man, the most strongest man in the world at one point, a lad, led him by the hand and let, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Here's Samson asking the lad, can you just let me put my hands, because I can't feel the pillar. Just let me feel where the pillars are that support the temple. I just want to lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. About 3,000 men and women on the roof watching down in the arena where he was going to perform whatever he was going to do. While Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, Oh, Lord God, remember me, I pray. Notice that. Nowhere in the scriptures since we talk about Samson did you hear ever him crying out and talking and praying to God until now. Oh, oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. Oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. And his brothers and all his father's household came down, took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Esterol, the temple of his father, Manoah. He had judged Israel 20 years. See, the Philistines just kept mocking Samson, mocking Samson, demonstrating that he's weak, we're strong. And then we find here that God had brought back to the memory and understanding to Samson of what God has growing his hair back, his recommitment to God. You know the conversation going. We finally see him praying and saying, oh God, give me the strength that I need to do this to take these enemy out. And God gave it to him. Samson is quite the picture, isn't he? A picture of the believer in disobedience. God used him, but he did not benefit from it. His life ended in a personal tragedy. Death. Swallowed by the waste of great potential in his life. This was suicide that he did. I will kill myself to take out the enemy. But the difference from suicide is the strict sense is then that his purpose was, wasn't really to kill himself, but to kill as many Philistines as he could. Samson was a hero from that perspective, even mentioned among the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11:32. 11, 
So he was still seen by God as a hero in this moment. Yet there is no glorification of Samson and his end. None. None whatsoever. He was not a glorious hero to be emulated as some modern suicide bomber that is glorified by some of some of as some people do. But Samson was a tragic hero whose life should have ended with much different outcome. It should have been used by God in a way that could have taken out the Philistines to be able to protect the Israelites. We could also say that Samson's suicide and killing of others was not sought out after. The opportunity came to him tragically. It gave an opportunity. Now let me just say, people at times ask me, is, is suicide sin? Yes, suicide is clearly sin. The sin of self-murder. Yet we are wrong if we regard it as an unforgivable sin. All who commit suicide have given into the lies and the deceptions of Satan at that moment. Whose purpose is to what? To kill and destroy. They've given into a moment. The deception was so strong that they gave into the lie. How important it is, my brothers and sisters, we just stay very clear-minded in the love of God and the fact that God is with you. This could only happen with God's supernatural empowered, empowering of Samson to be able to push once again these two pillars to bring down while in prison in a condition blinded and that God was going to use him and grant him his, his prayer and to, again, because his heart came back to God and received and God blessed him in doing that. You can kind of say that Samson was restored. And that brought great victory. Why? Because this great victory came only after he was finally broken, humiliated, and blind. He could no longer look to himself for, to, to be able to just live life. He had to, lift, to look to God. And prior to this, we don't see Samson as a man of prayer. But here, he prayed. He humbled himself enough to allow a little boy to help him in there. And he cried out to God and said, God help me. We'll end with this. Samson shows a danger. A danger of underestimating our own sinfulness. He thought... Everything was in control, under control in his life. It's just a little fleshly lust need. Every man need, has to fill this need. I need love. I need romance. I need sex. I, I, this is natural. This is how God created me. But he did it all, all in the wrong way. Samson was a great conqueror. He had tremendous strength from God. 
but he never allowed God to properly conquer him within. He never allowed God to really take over everything within. Samson just constantly being deceived, constantly being deceptive, constantly seeking after his own whatever he wanted, only what he wanted, when he wanted it. Every time he went to the land of the Philistines, he was fell into this moral compromise and compromising while well, you know on a trip. And you think he would learn from this instead of putting himself in tempting situations. He should have fled from his youthful lust, as 2 Timothy 2.22 says. Like Joseph, he fled. He recognized what was going on, and he was out of there. Rather than breaking relationship with God, he should have broke that relationship with Delilah. Proverbs 25.28, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. You are vulnerable. Second lesson came from this is that Samson as a leader shows the danger of being a loner as a leader. He isolated himself as a leader. That should never happen. Everything Samson did, he did alone. That should have never happened. He judged for 20 years and never saw or used help from others anywhere in the scripture. That's why it's a danger to isolate yourself and not to be in the fellowship. Not to be around other people who you're open and honest with. And the third thing is most of all, Samson is a powerful picture of wasted potential. He could have been and should have been one of the greatest men of God in the Old Testament. But he wasted his potential. May that be lessons for us all. 